Welcome everyone to a new look draft cast. Uh, well, a pretty as EDPS in the background just absolutely butchers the intro, and that's it, it's probably going to be a theme of today. If you're not familiar with my uh, delightful tones, my name's PM Bangers from the Draft and Trading Board, and joining me uh, today, as mentioned, is EDPS. Yeah, not bad. I mean, it was great to finally get a get a championships game underway. I mean, it was it's been a long way to like a really long way, especially compared to most years when you usually have your game set around your July type of area. We've had to wait so long, and it looks like we may only get this game as a championships game as well, which is unfortunate. But at least it's something for these kids. Yeah, I, I was going to say um, a, a twenty nine point victory to WA in what is probably going to be our only um, interstate match, I guess. We, we might be lucky enough to see Country versus Metro play off once more, but uh, I guess essentially this makes WA back-to-back under-18s champions, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, unless they want to try and factor in some of the, uh, the uh, previous Metro Country games, but even then, I mean... I, I don't think they'll even have a have a winner, really. They'll just, you know, see it as more of an exhibition and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So on WA versus SA in particular, obviously, um, played on the Saturday just gone in Western Australia. Uh, tell us, did the match sort of meet your expectations or your predictions? Uh, I had a feeling that WA would come out winning. I mean, they did ha- have a few games under their belt playing as a side. I mean, they played... Uh, the Perth Reserves, they played um, East Perth Reserves and the uh, under-17s team as well. And they won all three of those games quite comprehensively. So they at least had a bit of time to get to know their teammates, whereas South Australia didn't really have that opportunity. And especially with the very sudden announcement that this game was back on in the first place, would have definitely uh, played a part in South Australia having to you know, travel all the way to WA as well. It's not the most ideal preparation, but um, I mean... With Erasmus being a laid out, I had a feeling that it may be a bit closer than than what we would have expected. But I think uh, West Australia deservedly should have been the favourites going into the game and they kind of showed that in their result as well. How much of an impact do you think um, Erasmus would have had? Like, Do you think he almost would have thrown off the balance that they ended up having? Uh, not exactly. I mean, Erasmus as well, even with that corky, if, if he was able to play, he would have played up forward and he would have been very dangerous. If anything, it would have um, given less of a shine to someone like Brady Hoff, who really was one of those players that got to show a bit of his talent. I mean, he's been one who's played pretty well in that wing half forward type of role. So, I mean, Erasmus being out just gives a few more of those WA guys to shine. And I mean, for the most part, Erasmus, uh, would be the leading WA prospect anyway, whether whether he played in this game or not. So in some ways, it really was better for him to maybe miss out and um, get himself fit and firing for the uh, final series as well, which they may be having. Perfect. All right. So just for those that uh, didn't watch the game, we'll just go through a quick little summary. So to kick off, um, our goal kickers from both sides. So for WA, we had Jai Amis and Brady Hoff, who Ed alluded to just before, uh, kicked two each. Jesse Motlop, Kate Dittmar, Ethan Regan, Jack Williams, and Lockie Patton, just single goal kickers. 
Uh, and then for South Australia, it was all single goal kickers with Hugh Stagg, Matthew Roberts, Arlo Draper, Jason Horn francis and Zach Becker, who's traditionally a defender, but got a bit up the ground. Um, Ed, give us a, a little bit of a, a rundown into um, WA and SA's best players from your point of view. Yeah, so I thought um, with WA, it was definitely there uh, all over the ground, really. I mean, you could pick some very good players forward, back and uh, through the middle and especially down back. I mean, the the key tools in Rhett Bazo and Jacob Van Royen were just absolutely incredible. I mean, they were intercepting everything that came their way and they, they just made it really tough. I mean, South Australia had quite a few forays into 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 their inside 50s, but um, WA's defenders, that, they were just solid. And even the smaller defenders as well. I mean, you had uh, the likes of Jed Hagen, who's a bottom major, who was really safe down there. Uh, you got Finn Gorringe and Jack Avery uh, down back as well as under-19s. Just had so many steady heads that came out of the back line. I mean, they used it so well. And through the midfield, I mean, you're coming up against the likes of uh, Horn Francis and uh, Matthew Roberts, the, those type of ilk. And guys like Kay Dittmar, Angus Sheldrick, James Tunstall, and especially Matthew Johnson, who was definitely one of the better midfielders for the day with his class. And, and up forward as well, Jai Amos and... Um, and Brady Hoff, they, they were very dangerous. But uh, for South Australia, it was a bit harder to pick their best. It wasn't the greatest day for them. But um, Nasai Wanganin Malira was fantastic on the wing. I mean, he's just been getting better and better and better as the year goes on. I mean, he's only light-bodied, but his skill and composure was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, he barely missed a target all day. Um, another one who didn't miss many targets, didn't have a lot of the ball, was Arlo Drapper. But... Um, I mean, that's just kind of been what he's been like the last few weeks. I mean, he's using the ball very well, but probably needs to stamp his authority on the game a little bit more. Uh, Jason Horn francis who didn't have his typical type of performance, but when he did get it, he used it well. Uh, the back line held up pretty well for, for South Australia, really, with uh, the likes of Burgoyne providing some good rebound. Uh, uh, Rayson, when he was down there as well, did some nice things. And uh, up forward, it was probably Morgan Ferris, who was a nice target up, up for them up forward. Yeah, um, very comprehensive review and, and in-depth there for the best players from both sides. So thanks for that one. Um, just so we saw a little bit of a comeback, I guess you could say, from South Australia in the last quarter. Do you feel that that was more down to South Australia, I guess, nailing what they want to do and perfecting their game plan a little bit more or was that more of a WA letting the foot off the gas a bit? Um, it might have been a mixture of both, but I reckon South Australia would have wanted to, um, you know, they, they didn't want to just fold over really. Like they, they came out pretty strong in that first five minutes, five to 10 minutes or so, because, you know, they, they still want to be able to show, show their craft. They want to really show why they've been picked for their state representative. So, um, you know, the, the likes of Drapper and Horn Francis, they passed off a lot of the opportunities that they would have usually taken themselves just to try and bring some more of their teammates into the game, which was nice to see. I mean, a few positional changes worked pretty well. I mean, Burgoyne got to go into the midfield. Wanganee Malera went down back. So, And then WA also made a few little minor changes there, giving Motlop a bit more of a run through the midfield. I mean, um, uh, and gave a few guys like... Uh, Jack Williams, who hadn't had a lot of the ball for the first few quarters, they put him into the ruck, get his hands on the ball, so he could show a bit more of his class as well. Yeah, uh, question without notice, and I know you love these, and I love to pull them out. Um, there was obviously a little bit of discussion in the thread that we had on Big Footy 
around Shay Linky and uh, his exclusion from the team for South Australia. Do you think he would have been a player that could have made a bit of a difference? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not too sure. I mean, it depends on what role they kind of wanted him to play, whether they would put him through the midfield or on a wing or half forward. I mean, it's hard to say, but um, I don't think he would have made a massive difference to the to the overall uh, result of the game. But he, he's one that could consider himself stiff that he didn't get a run in. Fantastic. All right, and now we can move on to, uh, I guess, a, a section I've called the draft implications from this game. So... Obviously, a lot of people were watching for the first time a lot of these prospects, and that tends to happen with uh, championships games, but you're obviously an expert, Ed, and you have a bit of backing evidence uh, behind some of the calls I'm hoping you'll make here. So to start us off with, who were some of the players that, in your eyes, that didn't necessarily raise their stocks, but may have solidified um, maybe a speculative position you had them in the draft order or have really made themselves obvious first-round uh, certainties now? Yeah, I think the first one's Matthew Johnson, who just for for every game he also played in the uh, what the trial games I had against the reserve sides. I mean, he's just played a typical type of game for him. I mean, he's getting around that twenty disposal mark. He's using the ball really well. He's a constant four quarter player. I mean, from the senior games he played earlier in the year, he didn't get much of the ball. He played more as a forward. You know, he's he's definitely more of a natural midfielder. But since then, he's been just incredibly consistent. So that is something he can hold his hold his hat to, is that he is a consistent midfielder. I mean, he is a good size. He's not your typical big inside mid, but he is a very smooth mover. Um, uh, apart from him, I mean, um, uh, da- down back, I mean, the likes of uh, Rhett Bazo, I mean, I've maybe had him slipping a little bit, but he started to, you know, go back to where he was probably earlier in the year. I mean, he was thought to be someone around that top 20 mark and he might be starting to get back to that type of area. Same with uh, Jacob Van Royen and uh, Jack Williams, who, you know, for, for the tools, like they've been dominating the, the Colts level they've had because, I mean, that really should be at that time. So there has been a question as to whether they could really handle it against the best. And I'm not to say South Australia's uh, uh, key position players were the absolute uh, cream of the crop, but they were you know, a very good challenge for them and they definitely lived up to that challenge. But in terms of South Australian prospects, I mean, Jace Burgoyne had his very typical type performance. I mean, he's going to be a good player for Port Adelaide as a uh, father-son prospect. Uh, Lewis Rayson was another one who kind of solidified it himself as going to be a very good player. And uh, Arlo Drapper is another one. I mean, he could have really raised his stocks a bit more if he got to do a bit more, but he still got to show why he's rated where he is at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore with all of those. And especially Draper, who, uh, again, another one that sort of earned some discussion on Big Footy in his performance on Sunday, uh, or Saturday even. Um, like I've just been saying that I think a player that can have a game-changing impact like he had in that last quarter, just like out of nowhere almost, those are sort of the players that, you know, the the players that put bums in seats at AFL level. Like, you know, you look at your your Toby Greens and your Jordan Degoeys who, and even, you know, your stringers who can just turn it on uh, all of a sudden. And, and those are the exciting players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certain places have those certain tools about them. They're not always the most consistent players out there, but when they do get the ball, they, they, they can make things happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Now this is, well, this will be the question that makes or breaks uh, you as a draft watcher. Um, are there any players that 
have lowered in your eyes from the game or maybe that you had some question marks heading into the game that are even more amplified now? Yeah, I wouldn't say many have like like very badly affected their uh, their their standing in the draft. Maybe a few that didn't quite uh, fix up anything that I've been looking for them to fix up. I mean, Matthew Roberts is probably one who uh, he's ha- had some really big gains playing under 18's level and he's been able to play some pretty good senior football. But um, in terms of his kicking under pressure, that was something that I've had a bit of a, an issue with so far. I mean, he's a great booming kick. He's usually very good decision maker, but there's a few times where he just gets the ball on the boot when he doesn't really need to. He's got a bit more time than he thinks he has. Uh, he is a very strong midfielder, so I would like to see him try and you know, give a bit of a stiff arm or try and do his best to try and move away from it instead of just trying to bang it on the boot. So that's still something I'll be wanting to see from him because he isn't the most athletic runner, but he is someone who will run all day, as in like very uh, good running capacity throughout the day. So it'll be interesting to see if he becomes that midfielder uh, long-term because of that lack of speed and the capacity to just bomb it on the boot. So he may be more of a wingman half forward going forward. But um, so that might lower him down from, you know, looking like a definite top 10 talent to maybe going in that later first round. So, um, I mean, he's definitely got the attitude to, to perhaps fix up those issues, but that is something I'll definitely be looking for in the, in the finals that he'll most certainly be playing in, whether it, that be at senior or under 18s level. Yeah, and um, one that I thought you might bring up, so I'll ask you about him, um, Blaine O'Loughlin, who has had, I guess, some question marks on his defensive accountability and even speed at times. I don't feel like any of those uh, or either of those were really big aspects of his game on Saturday. What did you think? Yeah, it was probably the biggest test he's had so far this year playing on someone like Jesse Motlop. I mean, Jesse Motlop only did have that one goal uh, for, for the day, so it's not like he was comprehensively beaten it's probably that um when he doesn't get a lot of the ball that he usually does he's not having the same impact that he usually would because he is a very good kick of the ball he's very clean and a very sound decision maker but um finding that mix of being able to defend a very good player but also provide good rebound now that is what catapults you into that first round calculation it's why the likes of darcy wilmot from northern knights is one of the most highly rated defenders this year is that he can do both so that'll be the test for O'Loughlin, that he's got the uh, he's got the talent to do so. So hopefully he can really start to show that. Perfect. And then uh, I guess just to round us off for our draft implications part of this, who are some of the players that, that have put themselves into draft contention or at least have marked themselves as ones to watch or really, really raise their stocks in your eyes? Well, I thought uh, Fremantle NGA prospect Eric Benning was really good. Uh, as that tall uh, athletic option. I mean, some of his marking overhead and even some of his clean hands at ground level were really impressive. So he's got a lot of upside. So, And Freeman, I'll be hoping that he doesn't get a very high bid. But, um, I mean, if he keeps having games like that and has a strong uh, final series, it's going to be pretty hard to ignore. Uh, apart from him, Brady Hoff up forward. I mean, he showed a lot. I mean, he showed a lot this year. I mean, he's shown an ability to play, you know, as a wing, half forward, or maybe even half back. Seems a very versatile type and athletic type that could could do some very nice things. Uh, Sheldrick is another one who's kind of come from the clouds. He's a tough inside mid. Probably has to sharpen up his skills at times, but one of the more committed, tough players there. And 
finally from WA, probably James Tunstall uh, through that uh, midfield. I mean, he's got a lot of... Um, he's, he's just very clean when he attacks the ball. He attacks it at speed at stoppages. And he's not the biggest and strongest player, but he really... Um, it just really looks lively around the stoppages. And it reminds me a bit of a young James Rowbottom who I saw in the um, under-18s playing for Oakley. And he's certainly done all right at um, at uh, the Sydney Swans. And in terms of the South Australians, I mean, I wouldn't say there was many that really pushed up their case. But one who's gone from maybe being somewhere in the 30s to 40s to being in that top 20 mark is Nasaya Wanganimalira, who just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, he's athletic. He's got so much about him and um he's just one who has got just upside to burn and probably one last one will probably be um uh, Isaac Burt who didn't have a lot of the ball but I mean it's hard when your team's not winning first possession from the midfielder as a wingman but I mean he's uh running capacity and use of the ball was really good I mean that's something that has started to get him on the draft radar in recent weeks yeah, and one thing with um, Naziah Wanganeem Miller is uh, his kicking action is really satisfying to watch. I'm not sure if that's just me or it's just like he, it looks like he's not putting uh, an overly big amount of effort or power behind it, but like the kick just comes off so well every time. Yeah, I think he's solidified himself as one of the best kicks in this year's draft pool, which, I mean, you need to have as an outside player, but he's also got the speed, he's got the athleticism, he's got the smarts, he doesn't... Like, he's got that speed, but he doesn't have to use it sometimes. Sometimes he can just dance around opponents and get away with it like that. So he's definitely got a, quite a few tools. And, I mean, the question mark will be that he might be a bit too outside. But, I mean, you look at his frame. He's very light, light body. There's a reason that you'd keep him away from, you know, the the contested side of it. But there's no reason why he couldn't develop that side of his game. And if, and if he could, he'd be a very dangerous player long term. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll move on to... Uh, our last question of the podcast, just a quick one uh, today. If So this is, I guess, a little bit of prediction slash theorizing on uh, our part is if we if we did have a whole national carnival, which again looks very unlikely, but, you know, Vic Metro, Vic Country and the Allies got to play both these teams. Do you, What do you think the result would be? And, you know, would we see a comprehensive WA win in that championships or would it be fairly close across the board? Uh, I reckon it'd be very close between Metro and West Australia. Uh, it would depend on who's available. I mean, Erasmus would be huge in for WA. And I reckon someone like Jamal Stretch, who was an emergency, would provide a lot of more forward spark and put a lot less pressure on Jesse Motlop to be that pure pressure and creative top forward. And for Metro, I mean, ha- having the capacity to have Tyler Sonzi, Josh Sin uh, fully fit would, would make a massive difference. And um, it would really add to that midfield as well when you've got like Nick Dacos in there. I mean, Josh Ward started to come on. Ned Long, another one who missed the uh, the earlier games. He he could have really gone into there. I mean, he was playing some ripper games in the start of the year. He was actually outperforming Josh Ward, who's started to really show his talent. So, I mean, a Metro WA game, which we're not going to get, it would have been awesome to see because I reckon that would have been a really close one and a good battle. Perfect. Well, thanks for uh, joining us for just this uh, quick review on the weekend's game, EDPS. Yep, no worry, PM Bangers. It's been a good one. It's always great getting to chat with you on here, and we're starting to really get a few of these episodes out, and I hope uh, people start uh, giving, giving a bit more thought, and um, we hope to get some more people on here. Well, we're on the podcast grind, so 
Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Make sure that you check out our uh, draft board as we near the end of the season for more teams. We've got our postseason review of clubs where we run through different needs and draft prospects that might fit those needs. And, you know, everyone on the draft board, always happy to uh, answer any questions. So make sure you drop in, say hello, uh, and click into a thread or two. And we hope you'll listen again soon.